0: Welcome back to Football A la Turca. We have a very special episode again for you following our interview with Gabriela Marcotti two weeks ago. We have a new guest today, George D. Metellus from BN Sports USA. George, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, uh, Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you guys uh, contacting me. This is going to be fun.
0: I think so too. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the Turkish league and, and just football in general. It's going to be very interesting. And also joining us is Umut Naderi. Uh, Umut, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, Uzer and Burak couldn't be here today, so they won't be here. So no mentions for them uh, for the rest of the show. George, let me start off. How did you get into football coverage in, in, in the United States? Is it difficult to get a job in that sector?
1: It is, it is a very unconventional way that I myself got into it. Uh, I still don't, sometimes I I wonder, how did did I even get to this point? It's very unconventional. Uh, I went to to college at University of Miami, big up to all the hurricanes out there, Uh, and I went to college, graduated, couldn't find any work, and I went to broadcasting school after that, and I actually was working on a radio station doing behind-the-scenes things like cutting audio. Every once in a while, I'd pop on the air if I was doing board operator for a show, and I was just doing that. I actually had to stop doing the radio because in America, radio pays crap. I mean, it's like very, I mean, it's barely minimum wage and I'm single. So I'm like, I can't get no woman off, off a minimum wage job. So I had to get another job outside of the field and I was actually out of broadcasting for a while. And then I got very lucky because there was a network called Gold TV. Gold TV was based here in Miami. I I'm, I'm live in Miami and I actually did an internship with Gold TV when I was in college, but it never led to a job. So a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, his name is Juan Arango, who's one of the best football journalists out there and broadcasters out there. Uh, we went to college together and he started when he came back from ESPN in Connecticut, he started working at Gold TV. And so we we're good friends. So we kept in touch. And he's like, one day somebody at Gold TV was leaving and so he said hey george do you want to work at gold tv and at the time i was working at the front desk of a hotel i was the manager of the front desk of a hotel and i was like yeah man anything is better than this job you know because people were yelling at me and (laughs) for things i didn't even know about i mean my room is dirty well don't yell at me i didn't clean the room i worked the front desk i'm not the housekeeper so it was really it was frustrating and then he calls me said you want to work at gold tv And I said, sure. And at the time, Gold TV, alongside Fox Soccer Network, those were the two kind of big football networks in America. Mm -hmm. Gold TV had the rights to La Liga. I think they had City A. They had uh, some some South American leagues. And uh, I think they had U.S. Open Cup final a couple of times. So they had some good properties on Gold TV. So I went into the offices and. I had to speak spanish i speak spanish as part of living in miami yeah and the people that ran gold tv it was a bilingual network spanish and english and the people who ran gold tv were, there were some uruguayans some argentines and so i had to interview with them an audition and they put me on a game and i had to call 10 minutes of a game it was like barcelona against i can't remember who it was as and then this was back in 2010 and so they said all right we'll give you a job freelance on the weekend I said okay but I never was I didn't get on the air immediately I was working doing closed caption so I was watching games and in the back typing closed captioning for the games that were being aired on the weekend and then eventually about five or six months someone else left and they say George can you fill you want to fill in his spot and make you full-time and that's how that's how I became Uh, A football broadcaster off of that. I actually became full time at Gold TV in April of 2011. And I did that for four years. And I started, you know, you get better. You get you learn from people like Phil Shane. Phil Shane. I know Phil Shane almost 10 years now. And Ray Hudson. I work with Ray Hudson at Gold TV. And you learn from people as uh, at there, the producers, older guys that are football journalists in their respective countries in Uruguay, Argentina, Colombia, different places. And you learn, you pick up things and, you know, you make your mistakes but you learn from them and you move on. And about February of 2014, actually it was close to Valentine's Day, which was weird. I don't know why, but (laughs) that got a call. I was like, I I wasn't dating nobody, so I don't know why we're on Valentine's Day, but uh, I got a call from a producer uh, at, from Gold TV who left to go to be in Sports USA. And he was like, George, we got a spot. You want to come through? I was like, sure. And I went and auditioned again. And that was very raw because I hadn't done much on-camera stuff. It was mostly calling games and voiceovers. And they liked me. They gave me a full-time job. And I've been doing it ever since. It's very unconventional. Like, I, I And I got into the business at 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I got, I got my job at Gold TV at 35 years old because out of high school, I was living the Miami party life and I was going to college, but I didn't do well in college. So I went into the military. I was in the Air Force for four years. Then I got out of the Air Force, went back to university and cleaned up my acting university, graduated, got my degrees, and then everything started from there. So it's not like the traditional you get out of college, you get an internship that leads to a job. It was graduate high school, mess around with my friends for about two years, go to the military, get your act together, come back, go to university, get that going, and then after I graduated college, that was 2004, it took me six years to find a broadcasting job in, at Gold TV. Now, times have changed because now, there are more networks, they're more spread out all over the country, and with podcasts and YouTube, they didn't have podcasts in 2010, podcasts, or at least when I graduated college in 2004, they didn't have podcasts like that, YouTube, like that. You can get a job now just by having a popular YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can make you a know? living from that. Uh- yeah,
1: absolutely. So, I mean, there are colleagues of mine who got the job at BM because they, were, they had a popular podcast. Mm-hmm. So... Back in 2004, when I graduated university, it wasn't like that. So it's a very people have asked me, how did you get to the to be in? I'm like, it is a very, very unconventional path. And I was lucky that both Gold TV and BN sports decided to base their operations in Miami. If they had based them someplace else, I'd be I'd be a postal worker or something like that.
0: (laughs) Like uh, yeah. like Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, except skinnier and uh, more handsome. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, that's a uh, shout out to Juan Arango, of course. We, we we know each other through him, our mutual friend, and of course uh, yeah. Roberto Rojas is a great example. I think he's also a mutual friend. He works for BN. Oh yeah, and he's a great example of that new generation of football journalists that. I think, I mean, he only just graduated a couple of weeks ago and he's already got a job at BN Sports just because of his presence on social media, podcasting, stuff like that. So I think it's a, it's a great way for young people to get into it these days. And um, is there any, any any tips you can give young aspiring football journalists in the U.S., for example? How can they, what do they have to do to go out and get that, uh, get, get that brass knuckle or brass ring, as they put That's it? Brass ring.
1: Oh, uh, I think, well, one thing for sure is learn another language. Uh, if you can learn, even if you don't speak it well, if you're not fluent, but you can read it, you can say some things here and there, that helps a whole lot. It expands your horizons. I know myself personally, as someone who calls football matches every now and then, if I'm doing a La Liga game, I can read Spanish. And that helps me prepare for the games. It helps me to find information about the teams. Uh, during my time at, at Gold TV, I was used to doing the Brasileirao, which is the, the first division in yeah. Brazil. So I learned a little bit of Portuguese and Portuguese and Spanish are very close. So you can kind of figure it out. And then mm-hmm. eventually you kind of you can separate them in your mind. Yeah, the left and that the helps. Languages, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, my parents are Haitian, so uh, I grew up around French, and even though I can't speak it well, I can read it well enough where I can find information to research for games and things like that. So being multilingual helps out a whole lot. It helps a whole lot. And then the other thing, too, I would say is uh, don't get caught up in just the European leagues. The European leagues are the glamour leagues. We know that, and that's where you know the big money and the big players go. But if you can learn... The what's going on in South America. You learn what's going on in the Ameri- in North America, in the United States, Mexico, and those teams. Because remember, a lot of players come from the Amer- leagues yeah, in the Americas sure. and go to Europe. Same thing with Asia, mm-hmm. in the in the you know the J League, the K League, uh, China. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you can learn something about those leagues, and not just focus on stick to, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever. I think that helps a whole lot. I always I always say. If you learn the leagues outside of Europe first, it makes it easier because it's like, driving. you know, stick shift, a uh, manual transmission yeah. people who learn on a stick shift, they could drive an automatic transmission. No problem. If you learn the South American or the American leagues from players from leagues outside of Europe first, your transition to Europe is easy because we all know that they're transferring those players to Europe. But if you learn the European leagues first, Then it's harder. It's like someone who learned on an automatic transmission trying to drive a car that's a stick shift or manual transmission. They have problems. They can't get it. And that's 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 the issue there. So I would say to people coming up, obviously, your podcast, get all that out there and and do that. But learn a foreign language, learn, learn leagues uh, outside of Europe. And then the third thing, too, is, um, oh, man, I had a third thing and then I forgot. Uh, but those are the two big ones, right there. Third thing, I have one more thing I forgot.
0: No, oh, no worries. Um, but the most important thing, of course, it's like you said, it's not the most conventional sport in the U.S. It's of course up and and coming. Uh, it's getting a lot more traction, a lot more popular in the last decade or two. But how did oh, yeah. your interest in football start? Is that something that was handed down to you from your from your parents, from your dad, or something? Or how did that originate? Oh, definitely.
1: Oh yeah definitely from my parents, my family my uh, in Haiti in Haiti mm-hmm. football is the most popular sport and by far yeah it's it's the most popular sport in Haiti. so my parents born and raised in Haiti they came to the states and so when I was younger, obviously growing up in America, you're exposed to the NBA NFL but my parents talked to me about soccer when I was a kid, a little kid I didn't play American football uh, you know, in a in a optimist league or something i played soccer you know i played american football with my friends like tag nothing physical or basketball on the courts in the park Mm -hmm. but when it came to being on a team with a coach and everything when i was a kid it was soccer it was football so that's always been since i was a little kid and then in the late 2000 early 2000s when Soccer when football is starting to get popular. Real football, world football starts to get popular.
0: London, you know, have you, effect, you, probably.
1: London, not have an effect. But honestly, it's funny. I grew up in the States, but my favorite footballers are not Americans. I was never someone who was inspired to be a commentator because of an American. Mm-hmm. I like Pelé. You know, I loved Edgar Davids. He was my man. Right. Samuel Eto'o. Those are my players. Sedorf, man, Sedorf is like a god to me. I mean, the guy everywhere he went, he won a Champions League. He was fantastic. So, those were the player like Ronaldinho. So, those were the players. So, when I when I started work going to university, I started to think about you know European clubs and teams and the leagues in the Americas and stuff. And so, you get you you understand that there's footballers out there outside of America that were they're like they're like gods. Mm-hmm. you know americans are starting to figure that out now but i figured that out right out of college <laughs> so yeah. there's that aspect of it but it, it's basically my parents passed it down to me that's what it was parents passed it down to me
0: and do you they have love it a, a favorite team maybe
1: oh man you you mentioned juan juan always teases me because he says i'm uh, i'm a fifa fan yeah. and i'm like what does that mean because you have 67 teams i'm like shit up. <laughs> you know I have to I have to tease him because I'm like what you like more than one kind of pizza right? He said he can never say anything. yeah yeah I do okay me I like more than one team, but in Europe my favorite teams are Inter and Arsenal. I'm a I'm an Internacionale and Arsenal fan. Okay. And then in in the Americas I like Santos. Santos is the
0: yeah.
1: uh, name artist club in Brazil yeah. and uh, Junior de Barranquilla Colombian club. I like them mainly because. Uh, Shakira and Sofia Vergara are <laughs> fans of that team. So, so you have to, when you don't have a team, like I'm not Colombian, so if you're going to pick a team, and I grew up around a lot of Colombian friends, so they, you know, they put me on to the teams and everything. And so when you don't have a team and you have no connection to that land, you have to find a reason to like them. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that Shakira and Sofia Vergara were fans of Junior, I was like, that that's my team right there. I mean, and, you know, those two hot women like it, I like them, too. Well, if, so, you're,
0: if you're so fond of Shakira, I'm sure you like Barcelona now, too, Dan. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I used to like Barcelona, but what happened was when you start working at uh, BN Sports and we're the home of La Liga, mm-hmm. and you start dealing with Barcelona fans, you start dealing with Real Madrid right. fans, they are so annoying <laughs> that I just like, I don't like any of them anymore. I don't like, I I, I appreciate How great Barca is and how great Real Madrid is. But I was like, man, I can't stand your fans. Because if you say one thing bad, you criticize, let's, when Ronaldo was playing with Real Madrid, Mm -hmm. if you said one thing bad about Ronaldo, oh, you're a Barca fan. If you say one thing bad about Messi, oh, you're a Real Madrid fan. No, that's, my job is not like that. So I couldn't, I can't support any of those two teams anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just entering Arsenal in Europe and then in South America, it's Junior. Santos and Boca Juniors of Argentina and then that's it
0: be happy that you don't speak Turkish George because um, That's that's basically the same thing in Turkey if you yeah Yeah, yeah, if you criticize yeah. anything from from Besiktas, then then you're a Fenerbahce fan If you criticize anything from Fenerbahce, then you're a Galstrai fan, you know, and, and that's just <laughs> the way it goes and it's uh, Yeah, endless loop. It's an endless yeah. loop a vicious circle yeah. really. but uh, let's it Let's get into that a little bit because, of course, uh, being Sports picked up the rights to the Turkish League, um, I think, two years ago now. And since this yep. year, I believe, they've been broadcasting it in the USA, one uh, highlighted featured game per weekend, if I'm not mistaken. And I think you can watch the rest on the Being Connect app, too is that correct?
1: Usually yeah. yeah. Yep, that's it. Yep, we've tried to put at least one Turkish game either with one of the big 3. You guys know, one of the big 3 every week, yeah.
0: Yeah. So how many games have that's you a- uh- this year. Oh, yeah, right. that must have been uh, j- thrilling for you to watch their uh, full stadium every week, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but- yeah,
1: all 10 Başakşehir fans, yeah.
0: <laughs> but um how did uh, how many games did you commentate this uh, season of Turkish uh, of the Turkish league, you think? Ooh, man, I miss,
1: I didn't really do that many games. I must have done like four or five
0: Okay, that's I good. must
1: have, I must have done four or five like hosting
2: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe one or two actual color commentary or play-by-play I didn't do that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did this. I did the highlight show yeah. me and Eric We hosted the highlight show, but we didn't I didn't get to commentate or do commentary to too many games I got to watch a lot of them, but I didn't do the yeah. commentary that much.
0: Eric uh, Krakauer, right?
1: Yeah, crack hour, right. Crack hour mm-hmm.
0: right. Okay, just wanted to give him a little shout out too. Um so, yeah. what did you know going into this before you started watching it for your job, uh before you started covering the games? What did you know about the Turkish league? What were your perhaps prejudices about Turkish football? Um what was your general idea and what did you know about Turkish football? The only thing
1: I knew about Turkish football before we started covering it was Bestiktaş, Galatasaray, Fenerbahçe. That's it. I didn't. Those. I knew that those three were the big three teams, and that Galatasaray had had some success in uh, the early 2000s with the was it the UEFA Cup? They won
0: it, I believe. And that was about I, it. I but don't I, remember. I don't remember. Yeah. We don't get reminded every five seconds, do we? Oh, Okay. Umut yeah. Who is, <laughs> is a Galatasaray fan? So uh, I'm sure he'll remember. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember, honestly, the only thing when we started before, we just knew the three big teams. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, and after, and I didn't have any, we, it wasn't a situation where we were going, oh, man, we don't know Turkish league. We don't know how they're going to play, man. It's going to be whack, you know, blah, blah, blah. We didn't think that way. I personally was like excited
0: because
1: mm-hmm. it was going to be different. It was refreshing because we had it was La Liga, Liga, we have La Liga and Liga, mm-hmm. and we lost the City of A. And so I personally was getting, I wouldn't say tired of La Liga, or Liga, but it was a little, it was pretty much, it was starting to get mundane. It was starting to get this kind of the same storylines. Uh, Liga was being dominated by PSG. La Liga is usually
0: Barcelona, uh, Barcelona
1: Real Madrid. Yeah. I mean, Atleti was was in the mix as well, but it was usually those two. And so I was kind of thinking, okay, Turkish League, this is going to be different. Let's see how it is. So it kind of energized. I know for me and Eric and some other people kind of gave us a little bit of a, of a boost mm-hmm. because it was something different. But before the league, before we started doing it, I just knew of Besiktas and Galatasaray Fenerbahce. I knew those were the big three teams. And then after that, it was... Clean slate. Let's see how much we learn after that.
0: I like you that, that you put Beşiktaş first uh, in that uh, listing, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, that was alphabetical, y'all. That was just alphabetical. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come to Beşiktaş. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's good going in Cold Turkey. I think that's good. You don't have any major prejudices or anything, and and you can go into it, and and seeing things as a neutral completely, how things are. Obviously, Turkish football, I don't know if you caught anything from last season and stuff that happened in the Turkish Cup between Beşiktaş and Fenerbahçe, the the crazy stuff that went down there. Um, This season was relatively controversy-free, I would say. Uh, of course, there's always some controversy. Uh, oh. Is there anything that jumps out to you this season that you really, t- where, where your eyebrow just went up and you're like, "Huh, that's that's kind of dodgy." Did you have any moments like that in the Turkish League this season?
1: Any, any dodgy moments during the season? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind is how Bashak had collapsed toward the last part of the season. Mm-hmm. That 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 is something that that pops in my mind we were when we were doing the preparing for the highlight show and whatever in round 25 they had an eight point lead over galatasaray and then they lost the title yeah so that right there is kind of like hmm what's mm-hmm. going on you know is it i think they just weren't used to the pressure maybe of of you know, a run to the Turkish title, I think that's probably um, what happened.
0: They've been involved you know, in the I, title race for three years now, and they have a lot of yeah. experienced players, but of course the club and the, the entourage and all that, it doesn't have that really, but... Um, you know, if you want to go into conspiracy, conspiracy theories, there could be other te- other things like, well, you know, the Turkish elections were coming up. We can't have Bishakshir winning the league because it's gonna piss people off. So, <laughs> yeah, and they I've lost Istanbul it. anyway. But yeah, that's of course that's that's out there. That's like, but it was yeah. definitely uh, one of the biggest collapses. That's I mean, in ter- when it comes to Turkish football, as the biggest collapse I can remember. I don't know Umut if you remember any team that's ever. Given away a eight point lead twenty five uh, matches in, uh,
2: not precisely no. You know, I mean, Trabzon
0: had an had an eleven or nine point lead I think at the break over Fenerbahce in that very controversial 2010-11 season, uh, and they ended up on level points. But uh, with, with
2: I think it was close to that uh, in uh, 2006 season where uh, Fenerbahce collapsed at Denizli.
0: I don't remember exactly what the difference was there, but uh, anyway, um, so, George, let's... And then, uh,
1: oh, one more thing, too, is yeah. I was... I, and I know this is the money and everything, but you have Mbaye Dianya who was killing it for Kasim Pasha mm-hmm. and then gets sold to Galatasaray. And, and there was a point in the season where Kasim Pasha, they looked like they were going to challenge for the title yeah. early this season. Yeah,
0: first half and of, the, Mbaye, season, first half of the season. And then second, first half of the season... Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then they and then they sell and buy Giana to Galatasaray and then they just fell off after that. So I was like, hmm, that's a little weird. Why would a team that has the top goal scorer sell it, sell them to Galatasaray when they were still in at least at the very least in a position to challenge for the Champions League or Europa League? So. That may, maybe, if you're talking about Daji, that might be a situation right there as well. And then, uh, and then, Burakilmaz leaving Trabzonspor Sport to Beshiktash. I mean, Trabzon, and we saw how well they performed that mm-hmm. second half of the season, Trabzon Sport without him, mm-hmm. basically.
0: And Besiktas I mean, they with almost, him.
1: Yeah, and Beshiktash with him. Yeah, they went like on an 11 game winning streak or something. And I think during the winning streak, yeah, he seven. he scored in every game or yeah. something like that for yeah, Besiktas. So it was, yeah,
0: he scored 11 goals yeah. in like, uh, 12 games or something, I think. 12 games, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, th-
1: that that kind of stuff makes you go, hey, who got the real power in, in Turkish football right now? But um, I was a little disappointed that Kasim Pasha had such a great start and with Mbaye Diyane and then sold them to Galatasaray and, and kind of gave up on the season. So those are kind of two things that, if you want to say dodgy, mm-hmm. that might be dodgy. But...
0: And uh, what was your general impression of the level of the league? If you compare it to Europe's top five uh, leagues, were you surprised that it was relatively high, or was it kind of what you expected?
1: Well, I didn't have any expectations uh, when we started, but I was. I would watch the games, and I'm thinking, you know what? These guys are pretty good. Like, there's they play some attractive football here, and it's become a mantra. When we do the the highlight show, is mm-hmm. you never know what's like. Last, it's not a surprise that a team scores a goal in the 90th minute to equalize or win a game. It seems like it happens two or three times every round in the Super League. So it was. I was. I have to say that it impressed me. the The movement, the speed of the game. Uh, it was very direct. The approach to the game. I know that a lot of times in European football, especially us that have La Liga. We're used to seeing a little more possession, maybe a more deliberate pace where they'll, they're not afraid to get the defenders involved in the possession and they're playing a high line. In Turkish League, if there's space, they run into it and then they work the connections there. So uh, I think we were all pretty impressed with the level of football that is played in, in the Turkish Super League. It was pretty good and it was, it was a, aggressive, attack-minded football and that's what we like to see. So I was pretty impressed by it. Like I said, I didn't have any expectations of the level of play. But as we started watching it, we're going, you know what? This, these these teams, they have skill. Especially, you look at, uh, for example, uh, Yeni Malatya sport, sport mm-hmm. who promoted, what, two or three seasons ago and, uh, what, they uh, finished top five here. this year? Yeah, two this seasons is, ago. This is their finish. second
0: season in the Super League, I, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Umut, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they finished fifth, I think, this yeah. year. And they're going so, to the Europa League. Yeah, going to Europa League, so that's impressive. So, yeah, that that you got to be a good team. You can't you can't be promoted two seasons and then get to Europa League and be a crap team. You have to play some good football and aggressive attacking football. So uh, I was impressed with the level of play. And you know, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas. I'm sorry, I had to put it in that order just because <laughs> you know, just random. Just random.
2: They, I wondered they, that. Uh, Do you think the buying players like Roberto Carlos, Didier Drogba or Pepe really makes the impact expected from the view, in your view, like attracting interest from the foreigners?
1: Yeah, I I think that for the Super League, if they're going to get foreigners, you got to get the younger ones. Mm -hmm. Because I know Didier Drogba was a fantastic player. Roberto Carlos is a legend. Um, And even Pepe uh, was... Uh, he's he's in the latter latter part of his career, and he I know he made an impact for Besiktas because they got what to the knockout stage of the Champions League, so that was impressive. Yeah, a couple of yeah. unbeaten in yeah.
0: the group stages, first time. Stage. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty. And good. they
1: actually, and they actually, I actually called the first leg uh, with against Bayern. Me and Eric, we called the first leg, first leg of that game oh. for being, for being Sports Canada, Everything and they were going. really. Fun-
0: Everything was going great for 15 minutes.
1: (laughs) And then uh, I think Damagoi Vida had the own goal, I believe. And then it just.
0: Red card. Ativa gave like a a little bit of a bad back pass. Ah, yes. And Vida had to make the. Well, didn't have to, but made the foul on Lewandowski, tried to, you know, tackle the ball and and got sent off. And I really thought the Bishop started that game really well and took the game to Bayern. But after that, it was. Then it was just holding on and hoping they don't score and, and, and get to the halftime with nil-nil. And then they almost did that. And then like a, a minute or two before halftime, they score. And then in the second half, the floodgates just went open. But I think, wagner, and I love, think that, wagner love missed like one or two really big chances. But yeah, you knew it was yeah. over.
1: But yeah, that first leg, I think, ended 5-nil or something like that. So yeah, yeah. but, but unfortunately, a little bit of a um, of, – um, that was just unlucky. You know, so they can hang. They can hang with the big teams in Europe. They just have to be more consistent. And I think that mm-hmm. if they can get the younger players, because one of the bad things that MLS has in terms of reputation is this "quote unquote" retirement league, where yeah. you get a thirty-eight-year-old Andrea Pirlo coming to play for New York, or thirty-seven-year-old mm-hmm. Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming to play for LA. Yeah, you. I don't. You know, Turkish league shouldn't be like that.
0: Yeah, and it kind and of has just, that uh, reputation in Europe. I have to say, like yeah. it's kind of the, the, the sandbox of Europe. Sometimes they call it, you know, like a little bit of derogatory mm-hmm. ref, reference to the Qatari leagues and stuff like that, or kind of a retirement home. Less so nowadays. I think it's it's improved in the last decade or so. But really, I, in early 2000s, mid 2000s, it was definitely had that reputation of getting the older 34, 35 year old stars, and uh, but. But now when they get, like, they still get these guys, but like a Drogba, a Pepe, these are guys on a level that's not what they used to get. Like, I believe they used to get, like, guys like Kostadinov, and and, and I don't remember what that Russian was called Fenerbahce, but like old guys, 34 years old, and yeah, they they, they did have a little bit of a negative reputation. But I think what Umut really wanted to ask is, what do you think uh, the Turkish League has to do, for example, now that B N has the rights in the States, what do you think they have to do to attract more attention? I don't know if you have noticed this. Mm. That U.S. as a fan base, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. As a, as a fan, ooh, I think getting, I think doing well in the Champions League is probably the best way. Mm-hmm. Doing doing well really well in the Champions League is the best way to do it because look, I have friends who uh, I told you I used to be in the military. I was in the Air Force for four years and. You know, my friends now, they're starting to get into soccer. They're getting into football. And one of the ways that they know the teams is because, well, football is on all the time here in the States. No sport is on more often than uh, football. But uh, they're knowing they see the Champions League. Mm-hmm. They're seeing that the Champions League and the teams making runs in Champions League. And so if they see that Galatasaray make a run to the quarterfinals, that's going to they're going to hey, okay. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of it has to do, surprisingly enough, this is weird, but it's true. If the kids look good, then these people will, and they make a good run in the Champions League, that gives attention too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of superficial, but it makes sense. If the team, especially if you're someone, a fan, a football fan, and you don't really have a team, you might like the shirt because it looks good, that brings attention to a club as well. Mm-hmm. So, but the number one thing that, that these clubs, the reason why they bring in a Pepe, or Didier buff or uh, Robin Van Persie, or even Samuel Wesley Eto'o. Snyder, Samuel Eto'o, things like that. It's because they feel that they can use those guys to get into the Champions League and make a good run in the Champions League. If they do that, boom, that raises the profile of the league, that raises the profile of the club, and that makes the league more popular. And if it's more popular, that means more people watch being in sports, which means I could get paid consistently. So that's good, too. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> Great.
1: so that's good, too. But I think I think really it's all about runs in the Champions League. If they make a good run in the Champions League, then everything else kind of can fall into place and they can build the brand from there.
0: Let, let's talk for a moment about viewership uh, in, in the U.S. for, for the league. Um, and, and in particular, where I want to go with this is Tyler Boyd. Uh, this new revelation for the U.S. national team. I've, I've seen a lot of talk shows on it already with guys like... Basically, the people just saying, "Well, I didn't know him before." I, um, F- uh, you know, what's his name, Fiore, I believe. Uh, I think he said it's like. What, 30, yeah. yeah. Let's be honest, guys. I don't think anyone knew this kid before this match or something like that. And, and I've seen some 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 podcasts on YouTube on on the on on the U.S. men's national team, and basically saying, "Look, we didn't really know this guy. We didn't really know what to expect." You had. Uh, the the advantage of seeing him in action for six months for Ankaragucu. Did you expect that he would have this immediate impact with the the U.S. national team?
1: Oh, I did not expect it. No, no. And when with he was very good. He played mm-hmm. very well, obviously well enough to get a, a national team call up. Mm-hmm. But I didn't expect him to have that kind of impact. And I think what it says it it says two things. One, obviously he's well. Three things. One, he's very good. Two that the American football public needs to be educated more on leagues outside of, of the big ones in Europe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And three, that the Turkish league, maybe they're, they're, well, not maybe, the football in the Turkish league is better than MLS because a lot of those guys on the U.S. national team are MLS players. Mm-hmm. And the the Turkish Super League is producing a player in Tyler Boyd who you can see the difference in his game and how he plays compared to the MLS players because the competition in the Turkish league is much better than the MLS. So that might even be, if you're an American kid and you see Tyler Boyd doing it at Ankara Guju, you're thinking, all right, maybe that could be a route for me to go. Yeah,
0: and he, and he, know, he played
1: yeah, in and, and, right.
0: too, which is great. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and hey, maybe Tyler Boyd... He has a good gold cup. He continues to light it up for Ankara Guju. Galatasaray might come calling. Fenerbahce might come calling. Besiktas might come calling. You never know. And I mean, and Fenerbahce they could use all the help they can get because <laughs> they had a rough year. Actually, okay, Besiktas
0: so, want to bring him in as a replacement to Ricardo Quaresma. there uh, They're in talks with his club, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they are. I um, mean, and, and you have an American playing at
1: Besiktas. That's going to increase the profile of the league here. Mm-hmm. So that's big too. That's really big. And don't forget, uh, I'm, I'm like I said, my parents are Haiti from Haiti, so Caribbean. Dever uh, Orgil, Dever Orgil, De- yeah, yeah. He, play- I think Ankara Guju as well. That's his teammate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jamaica's, Jamaica's through to the the knockout stage of the Gold Cup as well. So, and you would think that if you're talking about a Turkish club putting players in big international tournament, it would be the big three. But it's Ankara Guju, yeah, the capital. that's putting that has two very influential players in the gold cup knockout stage so that's a positive thing for the league as well that's that could put more eyeballs onto the league and then the viewership could go up uh, for the super league
0: if you were in uh, you know if you were Tyler Boyd's agent and he has offers from the MLS really lucrative interesting offers and he has offers office from, from from Turkey from a sorry would you say, well, you know what, go to the MLS? It'll give you more exposure to the the U.S. crowd. You'll get a, you'll definitely get a spot in the U.S. national team going forward. If he hasn't already earned that, of course, it's only been three games. So, um, or would you say, well, you know what, the level in Europe is is arguably higher. You're going to get the chance to play Europa League, Champions League, and you're playing in in the European League. What would you recommend him, uh, just from a pure sportive perspective?
1: Oh, I tell him to stay in Europe. No question. Not even that's that's an easy decision. That's an easy decision. Stay in Europe. That's where you're going to develop as a footballer in Europe. Yeah. And you're you're at a you're if if you you mentioned Besiktas is going to be interested in this kid as a replacement. that means every really that means in really inter- that mean, that's going to raise his profile personally in Europe because and you guys know this much better than I do. If a player is good in Turkey, these big European league clubs. In, the, in those big leagues, they'll come and get them They'll come and get them. Uh Everton, what was the kid, the, the, the Ceng, kid that went Ceng, to Everton? Yeah, Cenk Toshun, Ceng. Right. Yeah. right? He went to Everton. He's starting to light it up. He, he was lighting it up in the Super League. Yeah. So if you have talent in the Super League, they will find you. They will find you. They're paying attention. They are paying attention. So that's an easy. I'd say, look, Tyler, learn Turkish. <laughs> learn it really well. <laughs> And, and and if you can go make the move to Besiktas, go to Besiktas because Besiktas they finished uh, third, yep. so they're in Europa League. Yep. So that's a big tournament. Besiktas can make a run in the Europa League. It's not it's not unfathomable that they can't they can't uh, make a run in the Europa League. Get at least get to maybe the round of 32, first knockout stage, whatever. Given how, it can, it's how possible.
0: crap they were this past season, and still almost got there. I mean I, yeah. in, in, in any non-disastrous season like the last season was I think Besiktas Fenerbahce Galatasaray should always get out of the group stages and uh, go at least to the round of 32 and, and probably a round yeah. further depending on who you draw of course you can you know, but Besiktas yeah. have good coefficients and stuff like that but, that but is, and, you know.
1: and and here's the thing too Besiktas in the Europa League the the rights for the Europa League to broadcast the Europa League here in America are is TNT Mm-hmm. TNT, TBS, Bleach Report, I believe. TNT is on every cable system all over the country. There is not a cable provider that does not have TNT. Uh, being, we having our issues with cable providers, yeah. so that's,
0: I've heard that's not that.
1: helping. Yeah, it, it's not helping exposure for the Turkish League, but TNT has, is everywhere.
0: Yeah, TNT, USA, those are the two yes. biggest networks, I guess.
1: Yeah. For the So if he gets on Besiktas and he plays in the Europa League, they're going to be watching. And one thing I've learned being a, a broadcaster here in America, if there's any angle involving an American player, they will put it on the air because they want the American fans to identify with someone. And if it's a Europa League match and it's Besiktas and Tyler Boyd starts, they're going to profile Tyler Boyd. And they are going to put his name out there, which means they'll put Besiktas's name out there. So, it's it's for him. He needs to stay in Europe.
0: Okay, um, you mentioned shirts earlier. Was there a particular kit this season that really jumped out to you that you said, "Well, you know what? I really like that one. I, I'd love, I'd love to get one of those."
1: You know which one stood out for me? There's the is it the home Trabzon Sport with the light blue stripes, light blue stripe, and then the the I guess it's purple. I don't know. I know the colors. I don't know the names. But it's like a, uh, Traps and Spore's home yeah. kit. That's the, the the vertical stripes with the light blue and the, I guess dark,
2: purplish it's red. It's Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah. Bordeaux. Yeah. Bordeaux. It's, like Bordeaux, a, it's, it's, okay. a, it's a sort of purple. Darker yeah. crimson. Yeah. Yeah, dark yeah, crimson. Crimson. yeah.
1: Like a darker, like a like Bordeaux the wine, right? Yeah, like yes. That. Yes. Okay. Like that. Definitely. The stripe, the Bordeaux stripe with the light blue. Of traveling That was smooth. That's their traditional like, shirt,
0: and, and I believe which uh, I did. I think New Era does their shirts. Isn't that an American company?
1: Oh, it might be. I don't know who the the shirt provider is. Oh,
0: sorry, not New Era. Uh, Umut, you you know this? What what's right sh- now
2: it's Macron. Oh,
0: Macron. Okay. Macron? Which one was? I, which one does the Porto shirts? What's that called again? Because that's like something like that. But New Era is a cap. New Balance. New Balance. New Balance. balance right. New balance. Yes.
1: Ah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like those uh, those those stripes and sport kits for this season. were were pretty cool. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, actually, like three or four years ago, before we got the rights to it, I saw a white Galatasaray shirt mm-hmm. that was smooth. I said, "Man, how Which can one? I get that one?" Oh man, it must have been from
2: uh, the one that's a like good
1: question. It had it's it's uh, the
2: uh, arm striped one thing that you know.
1: Yeah, uh, let me was see. Was that it? It was the road one. It was a white road one from like four or five years ago. I can't remember. Probably, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, I-
0: the season drama played there. What are the seasons It might have
1: like? been. It might have been like 2010, 2011. But I saw. Excuse me. I saw the a white one from Galatasaray a few years ago because that's their their road kit is the white ones and then they wear the kind of the traditional red and orange at home. But it was a white one. On the road that would look really cool so I was like all right I might I might have to get that one and I think Eric Eric my colleague he got a finare Jersey earlier Ooh. this year
0: yeah <laughs> ah. yeah he
1: had, a, he had that yellow and blue stripes one, which will look pretty <laughs> smooth too but, but I think this season kits the Trabzon sport one was nice I like that one
0: okay um, yeah. let's see what else do we have left to talk about um of course what was your? What, do you have a game that really stood out to you this season where you're talking like, man, that was really propaganda for football. That was an amazing game of football with two teams that really went for it. Do you have any match that jumps out?
1: Oh, man, um, let's see. A game that jumps out as a good propaganda for the, the Turkish league. Well, I would say the Intercontinental Derbies, but they all kind of
0: Yeah, they're usually not that great in terms of level yeah. are they? <laughs> and, and that's uh yeah, there
1: the what we always think of when we think of the that rivalry is the atmosphere in the stadium kind of more than the game itself. Yeah. So that was thing, but man,
0: you have the the good. the tree tree between, between Besiktas and Fenerbahce with uh, Besiktas oh, being 3-0 up at halftime and Fenerbahce coming back. That's right. That was That wild. one
1: was, that was Wild. Yeah. Uh let's see. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here if there was a game that stood out for me. Uh I mean the the one that pops to mind is the the one is the the clincher for Galatasaray against Bishachi here in the second to, in the penultimate game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um the one one of them that was impressive to me was it was a Monday night game. I think Beşiktaş beat I forgot who they beat, but they beat him like seven nil.
0: Antalya, seven two maybe. Have, or I think that you know, which was like, was it two seven two or seven three? I think seven
2: three, right? Something
1: like that, yeah. But like Adam Lajch had a great game, right? right. Was oh yeah, crazy. yeah. He's talking
2: about that. Yeah, yeah That was. I good. think
1: that's the one. Those are the those kind of those two stand out for me. The the three three for Besiktas for Nerbache was that's a great shout out right there. But the two that that I, that come to mind when you asked the question was Galatasaray clinching the title against Başakşehir and then Beşiktaş in that in that that game that's 7-2. Who was it
0: against? Was it against 7-3 uh, th- was against Çaykur and 7-2 was against Antalyaspor. Both were away games by the way. So Yeah, yeah. I
1: think I think it was it might have been Antalya Sport against the seven-two of Antalya Sport. Antalya, that was might- the
0: one where Kagawa made his debut, and like after ten seconds he scored when yes, he came on as a
1: sub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was it. Oh, another memorable game: Rizespor beating Fenerbahce earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. That was pretty. That was pretty. Pretty memorable, especially Rizespor had just been promoted. So, yeah, and that's did. how that, I think that. Yeah, they got promoted. I think that's when you knew that they were going to stay like they were, they were a serious team that they didn't have to worry too much about relegation and they, they avoided relegation pretty comfortably too. So they
0: were really fun to watch in the second half of the season. They got some good signings and they were for a long time. I thought they were playing some of the best football in the league in that second half of the season. I really enjoyed them. Um, Yeah.
1: his name Vedat Muriki is, yeah, he, he might be leaving soon too if he keeps playing the way he's playing.
0: Yeah, are rumored to be interested in him. I think he would be perfect for Trabzon because Hugo Radajega just signed with Denizli Spore. Um, Ooh, okay, so I thought he was going back to Colombia to Santa Fe because they were in negotiations with him, but apparently they couldn't reach a deal. So now he signed with uh, the newly promoted Denizli Spore. So Trabzon without a striker, I think Vedat Muric would be perfect for, for Trabzon Spore. I think he'd be Ooh. the first choice there. Uh, I think at Galtzray, he'd probably end up on the bench. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I just think that uh, that would be a perfect next step for him. He's still pretty young. He's only like 24, I think. So he could take that step, you know, move to Travels for two or three years, depending on how successful they are. If they they don't win any titles, he could still go to Galtzray after that or something if he proves himself.
1: Um, And uh, they have a they have a pretty good squad with uh, Sosa you have. Uh, Yusuf Yazici. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the kid? I think
0: Abdelkander Abdel Omer. Um, uh, and Parmak he's, he's he's really Parmak. he's really good, too. Parmak.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they got a, they got a good attacking core there mm-hmm. that if he joins up, I think 16 goals last season. So, yeah, Travis was four. Maybe they could make a run next year at the title. That yeah. would be
0: interesting. If, if they yeah. keep this team together and if they make a couple of signings, maybe in the back line, I think they could yeah. definitely be contenders. Um, so yeah. that, that brings me to my next question. Really, like, which team did you really like when you watched them this season?
1: Ooh, I, I, I think it'd have to be Trabzonspor. Yeah, Probably
0: Trabzonspor. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be Trabzonspor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jose Sosa can score free kick goals. Uh, uh, we mentioned Yazichi. They call Abdulkadir uh, Omur the the Turkish Messi, which. Yeah, I'm like, don't don't call him that. Yeah. Let him just be himself. Don't he's, do that he, to him. He's a ter-
0: the third one already. You know, you had Muhammad oh. a couple of years ago, then you had Emre Moore, <laughs> and now it's now it's Amur. But yeah, he should just yeah. be Qadir Amur, the first, and not uh, Lionel Messi, Turkish Lionel Messi, yeah. the third.
1: Yeah, exactly. Don't don't do that to the poor kid. But he's <laughs> uh, those those three Yazici domes, I mean, they're they were good. They were impressive. They might have been. The best team in that second half of the season, at or at least the most entertaining, they were fun and. The last Ten
0: games or so, they really hit their stride. I think they started yeah. off a little because they they went into the half halfway break kind of on a, on a decent in a decent position, and they had that first match back in January against here and had they won that, they would have really been into the in the mm-hmm. title race. But they lost that. They really you, you saw that the nerves got to them in that game, and they couldn't really yeah. plus some some dodgy referee calls, I think um that really, but they were really impotent up front really did uh, they, yeah. they, they, they did lose that match due to some favorable calls for Basakshi here, but uh in terms of of getting the job done themselves, they were the nerves got to them, I think, and that might have to do with the fact that they do have a lot of young players still um yeah, but, yeah, exciting team for sure
1: um, oh yeah and and they 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 were the one that ended. Besiktas's winning streak at the end of the season as well, if I remember correctly. So uh, that's. A,
0: I think Galtrai beat them first.
1: Who uh, beat Besiktas first?
0: Yeah, Galtrai beat uh, Besiktas, and then the week after they went to trial. All oh, the week,
1: ah, and then okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah because Trabzonspor had a chance to still finish third. Yeah, yeah. if I remember correctly, yeah, yeah, but that was still a that's uh, that's a young, exciting team right there. So I <laughs> think. Tropes and Sport is a team to watch out for for next season, yeah.
0: And any players that That's really good. jump out to you besides the one that the ones that you already mentioned now from Tropes Sport? Any players in the league? Like name a couple that you really like. That uh... ooh,
1: let's see. Uh, well, I'm 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 trying to avoid the the Embajian Buraki and
0: Go ahead. Trying
1: to avoid those guys. No, I mean because they they're goal scorers and everything. But I'm trying to think of. I'm going through my head here of players here. Oh. Verdat muriki we we mentioned that i think mm-hmm. with reason sport big reason why they were able to stay up uh abdukader we mentioned him Who who else uh let's see i was thinking of a, i couldn't think of anybody i uh, sorry for fans i can't think of nobody <laughs> in finir i'm sorry you know uh let like nice. Eunice belanda Yunus belanda is very good
0: uh <laughs> For our our co-host t- uh, Uzer will, will will hate you now because he, he's, oh. he's a right fan, but he absolutely despises Yunus Belhanda for some reason, oh, yeah? which Bumut uh. w- 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 and I don't get it, but yeah. Right. He, I like him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he's, oh. I think it's mainly because he took the number 10 slot, jersey from Wesley
2: Snyder. Uh, I think it's because he's like the ruthless and uh, arrogant be- behavior, like a reckless kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, reckless. right. I wouldn't call him arrogant. I, I think he's reckless, but I mean, right. he, he, he lacks some self composure, some self control sometimes. But mm. I, I wouldn't call him a- arrogant, though. Uh, oh, I, I forgot. I forgot
1: the one that popped, Edin Vishka. Yeah, might have been the, yeah. the best player from the tournament, best yeah. player of the league yeah. for uh, Bershakshir. He was great. I mean, even Gunok was pretty good. I know that Bershakshir mm-hmm. was more defensive minded, so that helps the goalkeepers out a lot. But I mean, Edin Vishka was was excellent. I don't think they make a run to the title toward the title if he doesn't have the season that he had. So, okay, yeah. I think he, I believe he won Player of the Year if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah he did. So he did, I mean, Edin Vishka really stood out as a as a player there. So I got to give, I have to give one of the here players some credit because they were pretty <laughs> good. You know, he was he was really good. So I, I would say, I mean, Edin Vishka is was fabulous and. Uh, we'll see if they can, if Bashak finishing second, they have to go through the playoff rounds of the Champions League. But if they do that, he maybe he can raise his profile uh, as well in Europe and raise the club's profile as well. So we'll see. But yeah, Edin Vishka was great. Um, Femi Gunok in, in between the sticks as a goalkeeper was great for Bashak uh, And then obviously the big goal scorers like Buraki, Elmaz, That that those midfielders we talked about for Trabzonspor. Sport. Uh, I was thinking. Uh somebody, I wanted to say, uh, wanted to say for uh, Yeni Malatya's sport, I almost said Khalid Bouteille. Oh, okay. Alexis, Daniel Alexis, yeah. But I forgot, I almost said Halib Bouteille, but he wasn't there this season. I think he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he
0: left uh, in, in January, I think, didn't
1: he? Yeah, he went over the season, yeah. But he was actually, the Mor- he was a Moroccan goal scorer that when we first started covering it and paying attention, he was actually scoring pretty pretty well. Decent goal scorer for Yeni Malaya. Before he got transferred. Yeah, uh, I liked him. Yeah, so that was one player that stood out. But, I mean, Eddie Vishka has to be... He was the player of the year. So, I mean, that's got to be number one. At least this season. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think it's time for him to move on? He's been at that club for a very long time. And... You know, like we already alluded to earlier, he's playing in front of very small crowds, and it, it's just he's such a great player. Doesn't he deserve to have 30,000, 40,000 people chanting his name every home game?
1: I would think so. I would think so. The question is, how much is Bashak Shahir asking for him? 10 million. And then, 10, oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, man, Galatasaray and Beshitash can afford that.
0: Mm, Besiktas can't really. No, I think they have oh, to be a little yeah. bit more. Uh, that's why oh, they're going. That's why they're going for the younger... The,
1: yeah. That's why they got rid of Pepe and a bunch of those players. Yeah, they, they broke had get to. Yeah. And then
0: yeah. Galtrai have the Champions League money now coming in, of course, but uh, there's a big reformatting coming in terms of uh, the, the the debt structure from all the clubs. There's a, an agreement with the bank, uh, the banks in Turkey. They're going to re- restructure the debts of all the clubs because Fenerbahçe, Besiktas, Galtrai, Trabzonspor. I think every single Super League club has serious... Uh, financial issues, except for, I want to say, Sivaspor and Gustepe. I don't know if I'm missing another one, uh, Umut, but almost every single one of the, the Super League clubs are having serious financial issues. And um, with the with the, the rates of, of short-term loans going up so dramatically high right now, it, it shot up in, in the middle of the season, it was like almost 30% interest. Uh, so if you had to like Cover up some expenses with a short term loan, it, it, it would just you cripple you, and they're oh. trying to put them all on the long run now. It's, it's, we're going to do an episode on that actually in a couple of weeks with uh, John O'Carr, and he's going to explain everything and then talk about the financial status of the league. Uh, but of course, that's that's not something you're. you're, you're focusing. Yeah. On, um, yeah, I'm
1: not an economist, so I <laughs> I'm going to have to listen. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast to learn that information cuz <laughs> unfortunately I'm not an economist, but it, it it does it is important for the teams and it, and we mentioned Edin Vishka. if the the price tag is 10 million and these other teams can afford it, then he might be stuck there. And and you hate to say stuck. That sounds kind of bad for a team that finished second and almost won the title, but uh, you know, you 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 figure a player of his his abilities could really shine in a different team uh, with a bigger profile. So we'll see how that has to how that plays out. But I mean, ten million—that's kind of cheap to tell you the truth in the modern
2: football market. That might be cheap. I yeah, mean, but no in, in Turkish cheap. league, it says the expectations really high. Yeah. In in previous examples like uh, Amrabat. Uh, Coming to Galatasaray previous uh, years and also Rodrigo Tabata and also uh, The recent example could be Mbaya Jagne who was given like uh, 12 million euros and uh, He gave pretty much less what he gave to Kasumpasha Pasha Recently. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think he scored 10 goals and
0: and 8 of those were penalties I believe for Galatasaray. yeah so, mm-hmm. He had a, one he, really good goal, of course. That header against Rizospor was amazing. But uh, basically, every I don't know if you, you 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 noticed a really big difference. Like at Pasha he was really phenomenal. Was... But at, at Galatasaray, what was your impression of him there? Did you think that he lived up to the expectations or the expectations that you had at least for for him at Galatasaray?
1: Uh, no, I thought that he definitely did not play as well with Galatasaray as he did for Kasimpasha. When Kasimpasha it seemed like every week he was scoring, it seemed like. Yeah,
0: he was. I mean, he scored like 20 <laughs> goals in 17 Bowl. games or 16 games. Yeah. It was ridiculous.
1: It was ridiculous, for sure. I, and I was shocked that he got transferred to Galatasaray because, and we mentioned it before, we thought Custom pasha had a chance to at least qualify for Europe if they had kept him. And they also made a coaching change, too, which... I, I think which,
0: the main uh, issue with Kazan was they knew they weren't going to get into Europe because they have some, um, they, they couldn't get a, a UEFA license. I think they kind of oh, knew that already. So, see, I, so uh, I think that's, that's okay, probably... So I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Uh, no, of course. Uh, it's not, I mean, that's not something that you'd uh, hear Yes,
1: yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, okay. But, man, he he definitely... His form dipped mm-hmm. uh, with Galatasaray, that's for sure. Maybe it's the a new club the playmakers the 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 tactics were a little bit different next season he might tear it up he might just okay he's he figured it out and so uh, he might be able to to do and next season for Galatasaray, what he did in the first half of this past season with Kasim Pasha. so Don't be uh, we'll surprised see. if
0: he gets sold, actually, because they're they're already kind of looking at, well, you know, we didn't really deliver what we wanted and maybe we can still make a small profit on him. So he might actually yeah. end up going to, uh, I believe, Al-Shabaab is being mentioned, Umut, and uh, Ali Tihat maybe as well, I'm not sure, some, some Qatari. Mm, yeah, uh,
2: but uh, I think there's a kind of uh, uh, transfer, uh, like... Being rejected and in uh, Arabian teams or the Qatar uh, teams, uh, so uh, including Jagnes' transfer, and it, I think he's not gonna make it.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you think well, he's gonna I stay see. at Galt's right then se- next season?
2: Uh, I think so, but I think Galt's are already uh, trying to get rid of him
0: mm-hmm.
2: as well, but just uh, waiting for the offer to come to them.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise uh, when you consider that Buffett Gomis had a phenomenal season. Yeah. And then they sold him immediately, too. So,
0: And he's doing great there, too, as well. I think he had, like, yeah. 24 goals or something this season in, in Qatar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it shouldn't be a surprise. It's disappointing, especially for those of us who watch the league. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to see Bafatemi Gomis play in Champions League. I wanted to see yeah. how he do with Galatasaray in the Champions League. Didn't work out that way, and now we won't, it's possible that we might not see Mbaye Dian in the Champions League for Galatasaray. So that's disappointing, but I guess that's modern football business, and and that, that could be, that's a shame.
0: Were you surprised that Galatasaray were so um, underwhelming in the Champions League? They got a really good draw in the group stages, I believe. Uh, who were, were they drawn against? uh Umut, Lokomotiv? Moscow. Moscow. Uh, Moscow Portugal. And, and Schalke, Yeah. Yeah. So were you surprised at all that they couldn't finish top two in that group, and I think they got like four points or something? Did you expect more?
1: I, I think, I was expecting more. I was expecting more, but I think what happened was when they sold Buffet Demigomis,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that yeah, they didn't have a
0: striker in the first half of the season, right. basically. Yeah, yeah,
1: that lowered my that lowered my expectations because look, we all know. We, you watch the game a lot. We all, all three of us, we watch the game a lot. Look, sometimes I keep it simple. You win by scoring goals. I mean, it's yeah, not. So, sometimes it's complicated because you have the midfield and all of that and marking. But sometimes it's just you need someone who can score goals. Mm-hmm. And all the teams that win the championship in every league, they have someone who can score a lot of goals. And in the in the Champions League is no different. And for Galatasaray in the Champions League, who was the player that you said, okay, can get me a goal, can get yeah. me to a goal? You know, None. they didn't have one. None. Very true. Yeah. And, so, and so, and that's why that goes back to the the selling of Buffett demi Gomez because we wanted to see how he could do. He could be someone who could have, maybe if he stays, they get out of the group. Because it wasn't like a group with Juve and Real Madrid and, and Barca or something like that. It was a, a group that could have been that could have been uh, fruitful that for them. The that was the choice. Yeah, absolutely. So they could have gotten out of oh, that yeah. group.
0: That was an amazing. Uh, it's like the probably the the, the the dream draw almost. I mean, they yeah, were in pot four, and you get Lokomotiv Moscow for pot one. That's like the dream. Um, yeah. I, I remember a cup like ten years ago or something. Uh, Besiktis were in the Champions League, and we were in pot three, and I was so happy because we were gonna get a, a weaker team, and then the draw happens, and you get, and who did we get? Wolfsburg, the German champions <laughs> from pot, from Pot Four. That was before they changed uh, the, the the draws that uh, the the champions from the top six leagues go straight into Pot One. So Wolfsburg right. had, had hadn't been playing in Europe, so they had a really low coefficient, and then they won the league with Misimovic, Checo Grafit. Uh, and, then, yep. and then we were we were so happy with pot three, and then we got Wolfsbrook from pot four, and they absolutely, um, you know, uh, body yeah, slammed they, they us all their, around. Yeah, they they had a yeah, they had their way a with team. us. That was a very yeah. disappointing. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Galtry yeah. being in pot four couldn't have been a better draw, I think. Almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, it's disappointing. I I, I just pulled it up on my. I'm, I'm at home, so I pulled it up on the computer. They only scored five goals. Mm-hmm. In the group stage, in yeah. six games, that's yeah, not I think enough.
0: They scored three in their first match against Lokomotiv or something, didn't they? The yeah, league, yeah, two, yeah, yeah, two or three yeah. games. Yeah. So, what what are your expectations heading into next season? Because Galatasaray will be directly qualified for the Champions League. Do how 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 do you think they will perform this time around? Do you mm-hmm. think Fatih Terim will uh, improve on last season's performance?
1: Well, I I, I hope so. I would would like to. I would like to see a a Turkish team in the knockout stage because it's something it's something different, you know, than your usual English or Italian or Spanish teams uh, in the knockout stage. So that would be nice. I I, it still depends on the situation and if they can keep him and then how he adjusts Mm -hmm. and if he can perform uh, and score goals in the Champions League. I, I think they can. And obviously depends on the group that they get. Yeah, because obviously. you want to, you know, you want to avoid, you know, your Real Madrid, your Barca, your Juve, Bayern, things like that. Manchester, so that depends City, on the Liverpool. draw. Manchester City, Liverpool, United. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, United's not in it this year. You definitely want to avoid
0: Liverpool. Uh, trust me, guys. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. Liverpool. They look.
1: They look strong. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So uh, depends on the draw. But like I said, if they can find someone who just can get them goals consistently. And they get a good draw, a good group, a group that's manageable that doesn't have these these powerhouse teams. Mm-hmm. I don't see why they can't get out of the group stage. They should be able to get out the group stage. I mean, I think Galatasaray more than the other two big clubs. And I'm sorry, f- I'm sorry, Besiktas fans, no, sorry no, Faner no, Budget no. fans, but Galatasaray they should be the Turkish club that consistently gets out of the group. They have that kind of pedigree where. At least one nation has a team where you go, okay, they have a shot to get out of the group every year. And I think for the Turkish Super League, it's Galatasaray. So we'll see how that, that works out. But depending on the draw of the groups and if they can keep him by a Dianyan, if he can adjust. I know Fatih Tarim is a, an intelligent manager who has experience in these European competitions. So you figure he's going to figure some things out and, and put the team in a better situation. I think those those factors come together well. I can see Galatasaray getting out of the group, get to the knockout stage. I can see that happening.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you? What What are your expectations for the other teams in Europe? Uh, we already spoke a little Ooh. bit about, about Bistis, with but Trabzonspor, for example, and and here, and, uh, and, yeah. and Malatya Spor, especially. What, what do you think? How How are these teams gonna do?
1: Ooh, uh, Bishakshi here. I think because of the fact that they were of they were a very defensive minded team in the super league that oh. might work well for them well organized
0: the, i think you could well say well organized defensively
1: yeah i think so and then if let's say edin vishka plays very well uh that will that that could have an impact them but that to when you don't go directly into the the group stage mm-hmm. and I think they're in like the third playoff round if I remember correctly yeah, they, they don't, have, it's they not have like really, two matches
0: and then, they have, they have a, a low long coefficient goal. so they're going to draw a yeah. strong team in the playoffs if they get there so uh, last right. time they got Sevilla and they got super close but uh, didn't, you know, they, yeah. they had a ball hit the post in the last minute if that would have gone in they would have actually gone through um, but uh, but they yeah.
1: have to play like four either four or six matches just to get to the group yeah. stage. I think uh, that's going to be tough for them. I think four so four games four. Yeah. So then if if they can keep their if they can find a go a decent goal score a good goal scorer, because I think Adebayor is leaving. Well, Adebayor yeah. didn't do that much anyway. He left, left already. Yeah, he left, but he didn't do that much anyway. So it's not a big difference. But uh, I they,
0: if they they can survive the... that. They, they signed a Norwegian striker. Um, what was his name again? Um, they just signed it. They announced it like yesterday, I believe. A Norwegian striker. Yeah, but I don't have his name right now. <laughs> Go look it mm. up, damn it.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's going to be tough for them. I, I, honestly, I don't see them in the group stage. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Maybe the, uh, the Champions.
1: If they fall to the Europa League, that could... That could help them out that could be that's a possibility i i actually think that for besiktas has a very good chance of getting making a good run in the europa league yeah they're straight into they the groups
0: very- thanks to Galtrai winning the cup they don't have to play qualifiers yeah. thanks to their 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 assembled neighbors so they'll be straight into the europa league group stages and of course they have the, a new coach the former Bashakshir coach Abdullah Avci is now Bistis coach and Okan from Chaikor Rizispor moved to here. so do you think that's going to have an impact on Bashakshir's form next season will there be a little bit of a, an integration period for, for Okan Burak who was actually a, a pupil of Abdullah Avci so he's kind of of the same school um, but still it's, it's going to be a big change Abdullah Avci had a lot of influence in that club decided a lot yeah. of the he was basically the football director almost there
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I I think it'll be a big change for sure. I think it might be enough where Bashak Shahid will not contend for the title next season. I think that Avji did such a great job mm-hmm. that it, it, it you're going to take a dip. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a dip. Uh, so I think that it might, next season, might just go back to the big three again. Yeah. With you, with uh, knocking on the door there. So do you expect Faro
0: to make a run for the title next season, given their 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 run this season and and they they they, they lost a lot of players now. Valbuena yeah. went to Olympiacos. Uh, Skrtel's uh, contract is up, but they're still trying to renew that. Um, Meme Topal was just released today. They they have a lot of changes for sure this Ooh. summer. Do you think yeah. they make a, a serious run for the title?
1: I don't see it. I don't see it. I think the three teams to watch for next season in terms of the Turkish title will be Galatasaray, Besiktas, Trabzonspor. I think those are the three. I think Fenerbahce, they'll get top five. They'll they they won't have they won't be in the relegation zone. We know that. I think they'll yeah, they'll avoid that for so, for the most part of the season. going to part again. I think that's
0: that was yeah. a once in a lifetime team Besiktas mm-hmm. Galatasaray yes. fans. So I hope you enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Fenerbahce, I don't think they'll challenge for the title, but I think that they'll be clear easily in the top half of the table in the top five challenging for Europa League. Mm-hmm. I, I think that next year, I think it's going to come down to Galatasaray, Besiktas, and Sport. I think maybe Shahid and Fenerbahce fighting for fourth or fifth place. That that might That's what I see. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, you lose Avci, and then you go in. Avci's got a bigger budget. Maybe better players at
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Besiktas. Uh, he, yeah, he, he, he tactically, you could maybe say that. I know Besiktas had finish ahead of Besiktas, but uh, you know he'll
0: have fans behind them this time. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. He'll have a big, big crowd behind him. So that I think it's a good move for Besiktas, and I think Istanbul Besiktas, they're going to suffer a little bit in the in the upcoming season, and so. But it, it just makes it more intriguing. It just makes it more intriguing for next season.
0: And I think you're gonna be. I think you're looking forward to seeing Travel Sport in the Europa League. Am I right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I actually think that they have, if, like we say, if they keep the, those those players that we talked about, Sosa and Yazichi and Omor, okay. and they find a, a very a good goal scorer to yep. replace Rodallega, I I think they could get to they could get through the playoff and get to the group stage. I, I like Troublesport. That that the Yazici and Omur, those two have been really impressive.
0: Yeah, I like I, this. I, I'm a he huge played. fan of Yusuf Yazici. I think he's absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, um, he is fantastic. He scored
0: some,
1: he scored some harika goals this year. Wow!
0: <laughs> oh, you're oh, already shit. picking up Turkish.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, because during the highlight show, uh, you know, in Spanish, mm-hmm. you say golazo for a really nice goal. Mm-hmm. So I said during the highlight show, I said, "Hey guys, I'm learning Turkish a little <laughs> bit," you know. So. What's the term for like a really nice goal or a golazo, as they say in Spanish, yeah. in Turkish? Yeah. So people hit me up on Twitter. You say harika. You say harika. I was like, all right, cool. So in the highlight show, if it was a really good goal, I like ah, that's a harika goal from. If, if, Yusuf it's, Yusuf like,
0: Yusuf. if it's like uh, an amazing goal that you've never seen before, then you say yok bir gol. Never, I've never seen a better goal like that.
1: How do you say yok börle? Yok börle bir gol. Yok Berla Bill goal Okay.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll write it to you later. <laughs> yeah, to
1: you later.
0: actually I'll, I'll, in our in our intro there's a, there's a goal. We have three goals. We have one from Hajji, one from Serge and and one from Alex. And I think the one from Alex it's the commentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah the commentary Yeah yeah. So just if you if you listen whoa, whoa. back to the episode you'll you'll hear it in the intro. Um so I just, Alex, yes. Yeah, he was he was amazing. For me, I mean I'm thirty years old now and i w I've been watching for about twenty years. Um and for me the, the best player I've seen in my lifetime well best player, well you know the, the best performer I would say is Alex without a doubt. I mean oh, yeah. I I, oh. I caught I caught the tail end of High, so I can't really say it's High and I'm I, my all time favorite player is Sergean, but you know, Alex just did so much more, performed so consistently for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine... How many seasons it was, I don't remember, but it was just so great. Um, so, uh, I just have a couple more questions. Yeni uh, Spore. what do you think is going to happen with them? Are they going to suffer from that European... That, having to wake up early, so to speak, play European qualifiers? We've seen in the past it's had a negative impact on teams like Karabugspore, um and and this season, Akisar, Akisar, yeah. yeah. So it's had a, a negative impact on those teams having to play those early European games or just having to play group stage games in Europe, where the se- one season they qualify, next season they're fighting relegation or even going down. Do you think that's going to happen to Malatyaspor, who just appointed a new coach, Sergen Yalcin, by the way? Yeah. Who, who was a-
1: I, th- I? think that I think it's going to affect them because it's just it's not big enough of a club. They don't have the the, the, the quality mm-hmm. depth the the roster, you know, you if you're Beshitasha Galatasaray, you can always get you have the money to buy good players to be on the bench. So you can rotate. Yeni Malaya sport don't have that luxury. And so I think they're gonna suffer. I don't think they'll get relegated, but I think that they will be bottom half of the table. And they're still they're still up. I think they'll still they'll survive relegation. And for Yeni Malatya sport, I think every year that they, they they do not go down is a good season for them. Obviously it was the best season because they qualify for Europa League, but if they get to you, you know, they start playing Europa League and their their form suffers in the league, they'll have issues in terms of staying in the top half. I think they'll finish bottom half of the table. I don't think they'll get relegated, but I think the club is just so small and from what I've heard Yeni means new if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So it's a new club, small club. They're going to yeah. put the
0: there to be in- Ma- There used to be Malatya Spor, but they went bankrupt, so they started yeah. a new club with the same club colors and stuff like that, and they just called it New Malatya Spor, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> that happens sometimes go. in Turkey. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Gazi Sheher, who just promoted to the Super League, that's basically just Gaziantep Spor, and Gaziantep Spor still exists, but they're like in the lower leagues now. They, they relegated a couple of seasons ago. They kind of went bankrupt. They're still around, but they're in the lower leagues. Now, Gazi Sheher kind of took that place they took the same club colors and everything it's basically almost the same club as Gaziantep sport just a new uh a new jacket or a new, a new paint a co- uh, coat of paint uh, as you, uh, uh you okay
1: know. okay i see so, what it is i see what they did yeah. there okay yeah keep so it going would, keep it going yeah, they might be but I, I, yeah i think you're malaya sport they're gonna they're gonna sh- they might i mean i can't predict it but uh I don't know if they'll get to the group stage of the Europa League, but still playing Europa League for them is a big accomplishment. But I think if they do make any kind of run past these into these playoff rounds, Mm -hmm. it might hurt them in the league. But let's say they go out early. Let's say they go out early in Europa League because they're in the qualifying rounds. Mm -hmm. Then it won't affect them at all in terms of the league. And maybe, maybe... It's better for them if they go out early because then they can focus on the league and making a run possibly toward Champions League, which is obviously more money and more recognition. So we'll see how that plays out. But usually those small clubs like that, when they go to a European competition for the first time, their domestic form suffers. I don't think they'll get relegated, but it, it will suffer.
0: And uh, one more question. I have two. I think I have two or three more. Uh, <laughs> just from Are the top of my ask head. I uh...
2: the national team think uh, versus France. No,
0: I'll, I'll, you can ask that in a second. I just wanted to ask, uh, George, whether what would you say are the biggest differences between Turkey and the top five leagues in Europe? What do you think is, is a positive difference? What do you think is a negative difference? Where can they improve? If you had to pick a couple of examples.
1: ooh, well, I think the biggest difference is just the money. The money is huge. I mean, Barcelona is paying $100 million for a player. You know, United is paying $100 million for a player. PSG in France is paying $200 million for Neymar. They, they're asking almost 300 for Mbappe. So I think the money is the biggest difference between the Super League and those top five leagues. I think also for the Turkish Super League, I think they have to overcome a little bit of this kind of Eastern European, Western European... I don't know how to put it, but uh, kind of divide, if you will, because I know that in terms of the uh, European Union, Turkey still is considered Western Europe, but I think the culture is different from your France, your England Spain, and so maybe that mental that the the view the viewpoint of the people are is a little bit different in terms of how they view. Turkish society and things like that, although I know it's very cosmopolitan and all that modern, obviously, but maybe that perception of kind of, you know, the Turkish nation is a little further east than most Western Europeans would like to deal with or something like that. So there's that kind of, I'm guessing just kind of me being kind of ignorant American that, that a little bit of a cultural divide there that... People don't yeah, appreciate.
0: Definitely exists. I can tell you that. Yeah. From living yeah. in Belgium, there's yeah definitely something like that. Yeah.
1: They, there's a cultural divide there, so they don't. They're not even willing to be a little more open minded about the league because mm-hmm. the two seasons that I've covered the league at BN, they've come down to the either the last round or the penultimate round. So it's it's exciting, and I can't say that about La Liga or uh,
0: the Bundesliga or Liga. Yeah, um, even I the Premier League, normally speaking, yeah. and this this season, it was extremely uh, tied between Liverpool and Manchester City. But the, right. the season before, normally, yeah,
1: yeah, before Manchester City had it one three or four rounds before the end of the season. Yeah. So I think I think getting back to the question, there's there's that separation there, that kind of cultural divide there that maybe needs to be that wall needs to be broken down. So I think there's that and. But the, the the quality of play on the field on the pitch, it's not that far off mm-hmm. the Turkish league from the top five. It's entertaining. It it does have entertaining games and and late match scenarios that turn a, a you know turn a result in the favor of one team or the other. In my opinion, I've seen more late game scenarios and. You know, equalizers in the 90th minute or game winners in the 90th minute. I feel like I've seen that more often in the Turkish league than I have in the other leagues
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the other big five leagues. So it seems to be, even though you have your big three teams and and those big three teams, it seems to be like it's a little more balanced yeah. in terms of the competitive level. And that, that could be good because I, sometimes te- people get tired of seeing Real Madrid, Barcelona, the win La Liga all the time or tired of Bayern and Dortmund in the Bundesliga all the time. Maybe they get tired of PSG and Liga. You never know. I mean, England has four or five big money clubs. We all know them. So mm-hmm. it's. I think those are some of the differences there. The money, the cultural divide, and I think the fact that the Super League is a little more competitive in terms of uh, the, the, the teams and how they can fight for the Champions League, Europa League, the point differentials at the top of the league. That's really where you can see it. So... Uh, and the quality of football, the the attractiveness of the game on the pitch, it's close. It's very close. Turkish Super League, they play attractive football. It's close to what you see in the Big Five. So uh, it's there. It's just a matter of getting more exposure for the league and then obviously uh, get that over that cultural divide. Because, I mean, here in the West, I'll, I'll obviously, and you know that you live in Belgium and here in America, I mean – Getting, getting an American kid to say Abdul Qadir Omur is hard, yeah. you know? You know? <laughs> is I that studied, a terrorist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the stereotype. It's a horrible stereotype, mm-hmm. but it's true. I studied Arabic in, in the military, so I can say Abdul Qadir Omur. I could probably even read it if you put it in Arabic script. But most people don't have my education, so that's another mm-hmm. issue right there. We, it, there's a lot of, I think, the cultural ignorance between the West and the quote-unquote East has a little part to play in that and not being open-minded enough.
0: I would even dare to say I think if Turkey wasn't a Muslim country, I think it would be uh, less of an issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that definitely plays a part in the fact that uh, there's a little bit of a negative stigma. But I think it's improving at least. Um, What about the atmosphere in Turkey? Turkey is known for having a very particular atmosphere. Uh, The big clubs are, are famous for it. Is that something that, uh, that you've liked? Do you, do, you, do you enjoy the atmospheres when you're commentating the games or just when you're watching them? Is that something that really stands out to you? Or is that something that you're used to maybe from watching uh, Boca Juniors or, or something like that? Uh,
1: the atmosphere, well, one thing the Turkish Super League is famous for is the, the atmospheres. That's for sure. I know we have a, one of my colleagues at me, and his name is uh, Gary Bailey, played for Manchester United as a goalkeeper. And he has stories about playing, I think he played Galatasaray, uh, and going to Istanbul. I can't remember if it was uh, the, the, the stadium before the, the new one here, before Turk
0: Telecom. Yeah, was Ali it? Samian, I think, a little bit. Like
1: well, I, when did he play uh, exactly? Oh, what, he what was was played that? In, the, in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Oh, yeah, for sure, Ali Samian, then, yeah. Yeah, and he has stories of of the the fans there and how they you know opposition goalkeeper and and how wild it was and how <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson I think Sir Alex Ferguson said playing Galatasaray Istanbul was like playing in hell or something like that I can't remember the quote but as someone who's a commentator I like that I want to see the wild stuff you know I want to see you don't want to see no violence or anything like that obviously no. but. You want to see the loud noises. You want to see the the players or excuse me, the fans painted in their team colors. One of the the selling points of the Galatasaray-Fenerbahce rivalry is the atmosphere. That's one of the selling points that when we, we promote the game mm-hmm. on the network or, you know, social media, we say uh, it's, you know, one of the great, most intense rivalries in all of world football. Cause it is, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and Part of the reason the appeal of it is the the crowd there, so that's that's something to watch for too. But I've noticed even like for a couple games that I saw uh, Risa Sport over there at the Chekordidi Didi Stadium, they mm-hmm. they they it gets pretty loud in there too.
0: Yeah, Especially, they had a, a good average attendance this season. I think yeah. uh, nine thousand or something, which is quite good for a small club like that. I mean, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So uh, I think that's that's something that the league can build on. Mm-hmm. The fact that they have a passion for the game, and that y- they get uh, packed houses or they get good crowds. Because look, n- even in the big five leagues, they don't. No the big clubs don't sell out every game. PSG doesn't sell Park the Prince out every game.
0: Yeah, they except for Germany, where the stadiums are full full every week almost. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and so it, it's not unusual to have a stadium that's. 75 percent full it's not unusual so um but they the the turkish crowds are loud and they have the passion for the game and that's something that they could they could advertise that they can promote so i I, that's something that before i started covering the league that's something we knew we knew that galatasaray fenerbahce was the big rivalry or even the big three when they play each other those are big rivalry games and that they they get good crowds for those games, good, passionate, loud crowds for those games. That makes it more interesting for us to cover and want to be a part of the broadcast.
0: Yeah, I think the the, the, the average attendances are increasing again by the, because after the whole match fixing scandal in the, the early 2010s and and then the introduction of the paso league system, we saw a really big drop off in, in ticket sales and average attendances. But I I think it's slowly but surely rebounding again. Um, okay. So then one more question I have before I'm going to throw it to Umut for his question. Uh, if you okay. had to pick any, just one stadium, one game, one stadium, not necessarily the game, but just the stadium to experience the the, the atmosphere firsthand as a commentator, which stadium would you would you prefer? Would you like to go to to to, to, to Bixictec, to Fenerbahce, to Trabzon, or, or another team?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question.
0: Honestly... Um, there is only one right answer, by the way. Uh, right answer? <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Uh, okay. So I can't say the Akisar Stadium. Then that was going to be what <laughs> no, no, I was going to no, say. No, you know. can say.
0: You can say whatever Okay,
1: <laughs> I can't say Yeni Dort Elul and Sivas. Can I say that one? No. <laughs> um, ooh, that's You're a good. memorizing question. these.
0: Very impressive. Yeah,
1: I got, I got to. I have to, right? Yeah. But, well. Ankara has a new stadium, right? Ankara Guja
0: has a new stadium, if I remember
1: correctly. Yeah, they have it.
0: They have a new. So? The, there's a new stadium in Ankara. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. they just opened yeah. it like a couple of weeks before the end of the the season.
1: Season, yeah. Um, but I mean, how can you? I would. Can I? I'm gonna throw it back to before Turk Telecom at the Ali Sami That's if I remember correctly. That, well, you said it. So that's yeah. yeah that's Ali Sami Yen. Yeah. I've heard stories about that stadium. I've heard stories, people, you know. Sir, I mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson saying how hard it was to play there and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I would have to say that's the stadium, man. Galatasaray, especially in a Fenerbahce matchup, that that derby. Oh man, that that might be on my bucket list of football. You know, to go there and and be in the stadium for that. That might be fun. I, I, I uh, you're, is you're nice.
0: disappointing your your hero, Pele. <laughs> oh, I am. He, oh. Yeah, he he once said, but this was about uh about the the Bistesh stadium before the Vodafone Park, but same location he said. So it's beautiful beautifully located stadium I've ever seen in the world. I think he said Ooh. that. Yeah. But Ooh. that's because Beşiktaş the stadium is, is is located right across from the Dolmabahçe Palace and uh you, you walking like you, literally you you know two two minute walk from from the Bosporus River, so like the it's very romantic in in terms of location oh, that must so be. it in terms oh, of yeah, I think when it, yeah, in terms of scenery, I think it's definitely the best, uh, located stadium. But of right. course, it's what happens in the stadium. But again, you know, I'm biased, of course, so I'm not gonna make any, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything well, I, there. But uh, I, I think I, it's
1: a I, th- no, I was just gonna say, as someone who's new to covering the league, mm-hmm. you go by what you've heard in the past, yeah, yeah of course. and so I haven't heard much, and so that's why I say the the yeah, the Ali Galif- Samyon
0: was like, fantastic, it was a smaller yeah. stadium but you know i think the, the, the seated capacity was only like 22,000 but you know back before uefa implemented all those rules you know the, the and, uh-huh. and, be- and the stadium was also like 22,000 until they like expanded it but back in the day you know people would file and stand and, and just file on, on on the on the steps and there like be 30 to 30 40,000 people in those stadiums mm-hmm. uh, it was absolutely mental yeah. Um, but I think it's a very good this, uh, choice to go back in time and go to Ali Samian for a Galtrai a bunch of Derby. Yeah, it's a it's a great choice. Uh, Umus, you had a question for George too, I believe.
2: Well, I have two, in fact. Uh, okay. I, th- I want to ask: that. How do you see the foreigner rule applied in the our league? Uh, do you uh, do they have positive or negative impacts on the quality of football being played in the league right now, like, or uh, the improvement of the native local players in the league? <clears throat> Maybe a wow. similar kind of rules exist in USA or uh, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, act of the, uh, they act on the quality of the teams and the league. Well, well,
1: well, well. You know, teams are going to get around it by making all those players citizens eventually. You know, so there's that rule part of it. But look, that's a growing concern in European football, and I think all over the world is. You have players that are in the, you know, let's say they go play in Italy. And then do you have a lineup where there are no Italians in the lineup? I think that happened with Atalanta or some team that happened. uh, It might have been Inter that happened this year where they had no Italians in the starting 11. So that's a big concern. I understand why the league's doing it. At the same time, this is the world game. You know, it's hard. To tell somebody who's qualified to play in your league, oh, you you know, you can't really you you can't be on the team because you're not the right nationality. I think there's a better way of promoting, in this case, Turkish players without having to make a rule of foreign players and how many foreign players you can have or not have. Because yeah. let's say, let's say, I'll, let's say, I, I, I grew up here in America. I'm born and raised in America. And I saw Trabzonspor on TV. And I want to play for Trabzonspor because I like how they play. And I'm good enough. Let's say I'm good enough to play for them. But because of the rule, I can't. I I don't know. There's got to be a balance here. I think the big problem, because this is all based on the national team suffering because they're not getting those young players Mm -hmm. to be on the pitch enough. That's basically what it is. And this is happening all over. But I I believe in Chile because I used to do I did Chilean first division for a while. There's a rule where they don't say you can't have this many foreigners. What they say is you have to give this amount of minutes to Chilean youngsters, young players. Maybe they should do that in Turkey instead of saying, well, your squad can only have five internationals. Okay, maybe they should say because the goal is to promote Turkish players, the national team, obviously. Right. Say, okay, you have to have a number of minutes that you have to reach. So let's say it's just random number, 2,000, let's say. So you have to have, by the end of the season, youth players in your academy, Turkish-born players, have to play at least 2,000 minutes of Super League football. And if they don't, it's a points penalty or a big fine. Maybe they should do it that way instead of saying you have a limit on how many yes. foreigners you can have on the squad. Because, and you guys know this, they'll cheat. They'll say, okay, yeah. well, he's been with us for five, three seasons. Let's make him a Turkish citizen. They give him a passport and make a Turkish citizen. That doesn't count.
0: Yeah, they did and, that in the past so, because yeah. we, we had the foreign limit until 2015. And actually, I think our national team is, is starting to pl- plug the, the, the fruits of the labor of removing the foreign limit because now we're seeing a lot more young players from Turkey mm-hmm. getting the opportunity to go to the top five leagues uh, early on in their careers because the they aren't being held hostage by the clubs anymore because there is no limit, uh, right? So, right. Yeah. But, I mean, but I, is, I th- yeah. Go ahead. Right.
1: Sir. Oh no, I think I think that maybe they, like you said, or like you mentioned, they, there's no, they're not being held back anymore. That's a good thing. Look, give these youngsters first team, you know, Super League minutes. Put mm-hmm. a um uh, a limit, a number, and say, look, these young players, we need them to develop in in the Turkish Super League. We want our national team to be good. So let's say every game, a young person, uh, a youth academy product that's Turkish has to play at least 15 minutes every game. Right. That that might work. That might work. That might that gets them the experience that's get more than anything. It gets them that first team training. They're training with the big club. They're getting that experience of, of what it's like to be a first team player. And then they get on the pitch. And even if the coach puts them in, let's say Antalya Sport is beating Alanya Sport 4-1. Okay. And then, they, you know, Alanya Sport, they don't have – they haven't done their 15 minutes yet of the youth kid. Put the kid in, uh, even if it's a 4-1 score line for the last 15 minutes as a final substitution or do a fourth substitution where it's only for that youth product, that young kid, so he can get on there and play 15 minutes and get the numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like there are ways to – Promote your youth without having to cut off the foreigners because it's a it's a great opportunity for a foreigner to come to the Turkish Super League and play in a t- in the top flight. And you're going to kind of deny him the chance because he's not Turkish. Well, yeah. maybe, you know, I, I think that there's better ways to promote the national team and promote Turkish young players without having to keep out the foreigners as well.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think uh, yeah. Gabriel Marcotti two weeks ago he said something similar that you have to positively enforce it. You know, you have, not, not yeah, not enforce it, but like stimulate you Turkish youth being played in a positive way, not by banning foreigners from from an X amount right. of foreigners. You know, so definitely uh, agree with you, Dara. And um, yeah, uh, Umut, what's what's your next question? Um, that you oh, uh,
1: one. Oh, and just one thing, oh, yeah. just to add on to that, add on to that real quickly. We live in a world that's getting smaller and smaller because of communication, technology and everything. So these kids, they might say, oh, you know, kids nowadays, they might be a little more socially aware and say, hey, wait a minute. This league is not allowing foreigners because they're foreigners. That's not right. So that, in a way, might be turning them off. In a way, it might be turning them off to the the Super League and the top flight because they're saying, wait a minute, this is not fair. You know, they want to come play here. And they can't because they're foreigners. And and kids nowadays are being more and more socially aware of what's going on. And so that's another kind of hidden aspect to this that might be a problem. So uh, we, we have to see how that plays out.
2: All right. Uh, yeah. Also kind of relevant to it, uh, uh, the recent game, uh, Turkey versus France. Uh, Turkey beaten uh, France uh, 2-0, I think. Yes, can is uh, that the you're
1: yeah. talking about the uh, Euro qualifying? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, we, we scored twice uh, against uh, French national team who were the uh, title champ- holders of the yeah World Cup champions. Uh, how do you see it going?
0: Ooh, Did you that's expect a good it, Basically. Yeah.
1: Did you see it coming? Well, I no, I didn't watch the game, so I just heard about the result. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to, I didn't get to I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how it played out and everything. But just off of the result, because mm-hmm. that's all I saw. I did not watch the game. Just off the result, that's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. So that's something positive to build off of, for sure. If you can beat the world champions, that's a pretty positive result there. So uh, now the question is, well, Shen Gunish is the national team manager, right? So yeah. he, he's got experience with this. I, be, he, I believe he was the manager when Turkey finished third yeah. in the… Yeah. That's the Korea Japan World Cup. Yeah,
0: that's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: 2002. So he's got experience with this. He knows, he definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, it's just now they just have to continue to build on that, play with confidence. If you can beat, where was the game? Was the game in France or in, in Turkey. Turkey? Turkey, in, okay.
0: It was in Konya.
1: Oh, okay, good. Well, that's the main thing. One thing I always say about qualifying, whether it's for World Cup, Euro, You pick up three points at home. You always have to pick up three points at home, and especially if your Turkey hasn't been in the World Cup for a while, people are, you know, they're starting to waver on how good the national team is. Like you can pick up three points at home against the World Cup champions. You're building support nationally for the team that could give them that energy that they need to qualify. So I think it's a positive result. I didn't see how they played. I didn't see the the match at all. I missed that match. I didn't see it. But just off of going well, Oh, they did. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. They
0: did. they, did. they okay. deserved it. Fully deserved. They dominated the oh, game. I think France didn't have a I don't I don't remember a single no league. shot. Yeah. No shots. Yeah. But then of course, oh. you have to keep in mind uh, they beat France and then they go and lose in Iceland, of course. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. so typical Turkey, you know, roller coaster up and down. Yeah. Uh,
1: but as long as they got the they got the 3 points at home, yeah. That's important because with qualifying, you know, it's always about defending your home pitch first so they if they were to pick up the three points at home i think that was that was crucial and like you said now they got to just they have to do a better job on the road that's the main thing that's the main thing do a better job on the road
2: okay um do you have any other questions well uh i was going to ask uh, about brett Friedel. about uh he played in, oh, yeah, he played in Rai, 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 a, few, a few years yeah 95 uh how do you see him uh, do you know about him or positive effects on uh, USA's view on uh, Galatasaray or Turkish League?
1: Uh, oh, what do you mean? What do I see in terms of what? Him coming back to coach there? Or No,
2: no. He played in Galatasaray for like uh, one or two years back then. Oh, yeah, one, one season, I think. Yeah, goalkeeper. Man, uh, oh, he.
0: Uh, yeah, in 1995, he played there for one season, I believe. I think what what was trying to say is, uh, what, what did that did that improve the the profile of the Turkish League of Galatasaray yeah. in the U.S.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Ah, you know what? Honestly, I didn't I didn't know that he played in Galatasaray. So when you told me that, I was surprised.
0: Um, I don't think he was first choice. So was he? Was he first choice? He was that first season? choice. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. It was before Tupperell oh, okay. came. It okay.
2: Yeah, I think that was oh, before oh, Tajon came. Yeah, so, he go he went to also Liverpool there. Mm,
1: okay. Uh, I think what happened with if you're talking about Brad Fid- Friedel and then his impact in terms of raising the profile of the 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 the, the league, yeah. and I don't think it made much of an impact because this was what was it? 1995?
0: Yeah, it was a different era I think different in the era, US, especially, uh, especially
1: when it comes to the communication. 1995 yeah. No social media. No social media. There were none of these cable providers were showing, had a, a network that was showing football regularly, world football regularly. So that would be that 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 wouldn't be uh, the 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 timing was. I don't want to say bad timing. It just probably wasn't great timing in terms of. Exposing the American public to the Turkish Super League because, like I said, 1995, there weren't even cell phones in 1995. I remember because <laughs> I didn't have one. Yeah, it you started know. like uh,
0: one or two years oh. later, right? Yeah, if um, they I, did have
1: cell phones, they were like the big ones that look like, yeah, uh,
0: so, like satellite in, uh, phones, like in uh, Miami Vice and in uh, Scarface exactly. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, ones that if you leave in your
1: ear for one second, you're going to get brain cancer because they Ooh. were that radioactive. <laughs> you know, was but, it
2: really? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a fact or you just made it up? <laughs> oh
1: no, I made that up. I made that okay. up. But <laughs> but there was there was a while. Remember a while where they said if you have you keep your cell phone too That's close so to your ears, you could get you could get some kind of sickness or cancer. That's what they used yeah. to say like a few years ago. Oh, but um been. no. But going back to Brad Friedo, I, I when you told me he played at Galatasaray, I was shocked just now. So I didn't even know that. So um. You know, but I think
0: a goalkeeper isn't going to get is... that much attention in, in the States yeah. because at the end of the day, they they love goals. So I think a, yeah. a, a player that scores a lot of goals, like a Josie Altidore did in in, in, net, in the Netherlands, uh, but right. he, he actually didn't. He couldn't really make an impact with Bursa Spor when he was in Turkey. And uh, Besiktas' Jermaine Jones? Yeah, Jermaine Jones was there briefly, but he didn't play a lot because uh, he was yeah. basically second choice behind uh, Atiba Hutchinson. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah also... Pretty injured. Uh, yeah, had some injury
0: issues too. I think yeah. he went to the MLS, but he's retired now, I think, right? Last season? or did he, Jeremy I Jones, yeah,
1: he's, he's yeah. been out for a while. He's been out yeah. uh, retired for a while. Actually, we talked about Tyler Boyd earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He might be the one that, because of the modern technology, all these football networks out there, social media and all that, and now what he's doing with the Gold Cup, he might be the one that brings the... Turkish Super League into the attention of the American fans more than anyone else. He might be the one because, okay. like we said, it's a different time in the '90s when Jermaine Jones and Brad Friedel were playing there.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, tell the head honchos at BN Sports if they want better ratings to uh, uh, siphon some money to Besiktas show, they can buy Tyler Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, we also we need to work on getting our uh, getting our distribution back we've had some issues unfortunately with
0: yeah you guys were with verizon right and then you then that got lost or something we Uh, we were with
1: we were with comcast in america in america right right, right. yeah we were with comcast and direct tv those are the two big cable providers in america and then uh i i I don't even know all the details i just know that unfortunately there was some disagreement contractually and so we're Mm -hmm. now no longer on those two uh carriers cable carriers but yeah. we're still on a lot of platforms especially online digital and some other cable providers so uh the turkish super league is getting exposed it's get definitely getting some exposure
0: do you, do you have any insight into the data of how much viewership but uh, because for example um uh the sun has the rights in uh, in japan for uh, for for the turkish league and the the match against yeah the Shinji Kagawa's debut against Antalya Spore uh, got the highest rating ever uh, in, in Japan for any football game, for any uh, any uh, football game in, in Japan. Uh, there was, the interest was just so... But that does include playbacks and stuff like that. Uh, but I guess right. that, that from a friend actually who works for Dazon in uh, in Europe and, and he heard that in the office. So I uh, was very impressed by that. So I don't know, I doubt that uh, the impact in, in the US is that big. The Turkish League gets that much attention, but are the numbers good? Do you know anything about that?
1: Well, I think I think the numbers, from what I've seen, they're around what we expected. We weren't expecting big numbers. We're mm-hmm. expecting kind of lower numbers. So they've been around those lower numbers. We've had a couple of occasions where, uh, for example, uh, Galatasaray Fenerbahce mm-hmm. was, in the, on the day that it went live, mm-hmm. had as came close to a La Liga game like the the ratings were like third it might have been like the third highest game on the network second highest game watched on the network so it's we didn't have high expectations for it when we acquired it in terms of the ratings mm-hmm. but they they've been right there we've you know we've tried to be sensible with the ratings we weren't expecting to get a, a 10 or a 12 for the highlight show or or a 10 or a 12 for a Galatasaray Bashakshi hit or anything like that uh but we so we've kept the expectations low in terms of the exposure and the ratings but they've hit we've they basically hit the expectations we've had and that's that's a good thing because it's it's new it's starting out so you yeah. can't you, know, you start out small and then you build and what we've done we have the highlight show and we try to put a lot of things out on social media on the youtube channel i think yeah. for a while the highlight show was on the youtube channel and also on uh, you know instagram all that stuff we try to promote it as much as possible
0: what type of ratings do does the highlight show get, or, or an average game like a one does it does it get a one point nil? Because I, I think a one point nil is quite a lot. Still, it's like a two million viewers or something, right? Or, uh, I no,
1: know. I think the way it works, the rating system, uh, in America, if it's the Nielsen system, yes, yeah, Nielsen. If, yeah. if you get a a point rating, that's a thousand or something like that. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm, I'm a
0: bit of a wrestling nerd, so I know the rating stuff. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the wrestling
1: is yeah, wrestling is yeah. wrestling gets a lot. Well, it, we have Major was. League Wrestling on on BN. Yeah, and I know it, you it guys have MLW. I know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I mean, we get we actually
1: for the Turkish Super League show, the highlight show that we do, me and Eric, it's mm-hmm. usually anywhere from a two to a four, which is not bad, which is not bad. You know, as considering the the issues we have, the cable providers and all of that stuff, uh, and the and that the fact that people don't really know the league that well yet, where you know it's slowly coming around. So we for that, and then like I said, we've had double digit ratings for the some of the a couple of the Galatasaray-Fenerbahce matches. We've had double digit ratings. So uh, like I said, we when you first get something, you, you know, you have low expectations. Yeah. You don't want to get too, you don't want to have too much, but We've had some games where we've had some surprising, surprisingly high numbers. So I think it's the people are starting to come around and learn a little bit more about it. And we keep doing the highlight show and we keep uh, you know, giving out the information. I think people will come around and they'll start, it'll start to build. But it's a, it's a gradual thing. It's, it's gradual.
0: Okay. Umut, any, any more questions?
2: No, thanks to him.
0: Okay, just a quick rap, rapid-fire before we go out. Who's going to win the league next season? If you had to pick one team, is Galvestre still your favorites or do you see someone else sneaking in there?
1: Ooh, oh, man. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Sport. Okay, <laughs> I like that. I like that's that. That's
0: surprising. Yeah,
1: yeah that's a, I think that's a surprise.
0: And, and, and who's I, going I, to be the, the, the top scorer, you think? Ooh,
1: man. That's a good question, too.
0: <laughs> Man, putting you on I, the spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I want to say, and by it's Yanya, but then right after I say it, like two weeks later, he's going to get transferred. So then I'm like, uh, <laughs> that sound like an idiot.
0: Burak. That's probably
1: the safe That was the second choice, was Burak and because Besiktas have good players that can provide him service. So I, I want to – but I always like to kind of pick someone that's not – easy pick. I like, you know, I like putting myself out there a little bit, and usually mm-hmm, I'm wrong, though. but hey, you know, you get you got to be brave sometime.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, if but, you make a brave uh, call, at least, uh, you know, if you say, well, it's going to be that guy, and it's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo, then yeah, and he's not, you know, you're going to get called out for it if he doesn't get yeah. it, but you know, you you know you what?
1: It- I'll, say, I'll I'm going to go out on, a, I'm going to say it's either going to be Burak Elmaz or the, the player from uh, Rizzo Sport that we talked about, Vedat Muriki, I think one of those two.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know what, uh, George, I want to thank you very much. You've been so uh, gracious with your time um, and, and, and I, I really enjoyed this conversation. You're very knowledgeable uh, for someone who only really got introduced to the Turkish to, to Turkish football uh, like two years ago. Not even basically. Um, basically yeah. I, I hope you get to commentate a lot more games this coming season and uh, enjoy it and uh, help promote the Turkish league. Uh, across the Atlantic, and uh, yeah, thanks thanks a lot for coming on to the show.
1: Uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun man and i got to I got to rehash all that knowledge <laughs> I've been researching for the Turkish Super League. Thank so it's really much. good. I'm ready a- I'm ready for next season already. yeah,
0: it's it's a good test. Uh, George, yeah. where can people find you on, on on the interwebs on on social media, on Twitter, on instagram? W- where are you most active?
1: Uh, I'm usually Twitter and Instagram are the two that I have. I'm actually thinking about deleting my Instagram, but I still have it for now. Um, it's Twitter and Instagram It's G D Metellus, M E T E double S eight, the number eight at um, that's on Twitter and Instagram. I have the same handle for all of them. It makes it easier for me cause I'm getting old. I can't remember all that stuff. <laughs> so G D Metellus eight is on Twitter and Instagram.
0: We'll definitely put that out there in the show notes, too, so you can check it out, and we'll tweet it out, of course. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Next week, we'll be back with some more rumors, uh, and then hopefully uh, our our scheduled interview with Samantha Johnson. I hope that it will take place soon. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Samantha, uh, George. She works for TRT World, and she covers Turkish football. Uh, Also, uh, uh, yeah, she's from England, a football journalist. Very knowledgeable, too. If you don't know her yet, definitely give her a follow. She's awesome.
1: Oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll have to, i have to follow her, yeah, because it those those journalists they help us research and and get information for games and for the highlight show. So they're yeah, always. She,
0: she speaks proper English, of course, because she is from England. Uh, hey, uh, hey, okay. Yes, It might be I know, a little bit American. of a struggle sometimes with uh, yeah. with, Tur- with daughter Turks.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I uh, know. We have British co-workers and they always kind of tease us with our American English and I'm always like well excuse me your highness your majesty (laughs) I'm I'm sorry I can't speak like you you know so we always have that good back and forth
0: you know people always tell me I have an American accent but then my American friends they always like "Mm, no you don't but non-Americans always tell me I sound like an American
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a compliment or not yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I don't know either (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, thanks so much. Umu, thank you too, man. And uh, see you all next week.